you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL podcast will never actually buy a sandwich. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. We've made it. We've made it. We've made it out of the wilderness. Goodbye. Goodbye, Combine and mock drafts and OTA practice runs rundowns and training camp and hard knock stories and preseason games and even surprise retirements. All that gone, Mark. And now plug in, baby, because we are locked and loaded for another year. You're acting that like matters. we've escaped something uh, rugged into something calmer. I mean, we've, we're walking right into like 75 uh, armored weapon tanks fired at us with news coming from 45 different places where there was no news this before. Way. I'm separating what doesn't matter to kind of matters, right. interesting, blah, 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 to this is what it's about, football that counts. I mean, I, uh, I'm on board. I get it. I'm just saying you you're though? acting like we've downshifted <laughs> the way you opened your... No, we preamble. No, Mark with a C. We've we have upshifted into. into utter chaos, and uh, you know, we'll. I'll it, talk to you if you are have any hopes of a personal relationship with any of us. <laughs> see you in March. We have traded mind-numbing holdouts for the possibility of two-minute drill magic. Come on, mm. that's an upgrade. Mark, come on, baby. Like when we, I said I'm on board, but I just, I think you open it as if we are walking into some sort of calm, scheduled drill. No, oh, no one said happiness. that. Uh, it's more that. It's a reminder to the listeners, next April, June, when we're really pumping up how great our next show is going to be, it's all nonsense. It's better <laughs> yeah. in the season. You know, hey, we make hey, we make our money in the offseason. That's when it's tough. Hey, those guys, they're a little looser. They, hey, that's our favorite shows of the year. The yeah, they, they, they have fun in the offseason. It's just like crazy shows. Okay, yeah, that's all, that's all fine. We appreciate that our listenership somehow doesn't go down. I mean, you guys yeah. are amazing uh, in the offseason, but let's be real. It's, well, I don't it's, think I agree with time. that either. I think you prefer, like Greg prefers to go through the drill of the game previews and the game reviews, but in terms of the show taking on a new, different form, I like the off-season shows too. I, I of course too. I do. Of course I do. We hey, all enjoy really? our lives in the off-season. Hey, if I get to sit in this room and talk ball with hey, my friends, that's all we're looking hey, to do. Hey, uh, they pay me for this. <laughs> and don't try to paint me as someone who's like, oh, I don't, I'm not, ex- I'm totally excited about the season, but I'm not going to have it. Hey, you're I'm holding gonna, the brush. I'm not going to have it put out there with some tonal <laughs> thing that where everything now is, you know, peachy keen. We're walking into utter chaos. Utter chaos. Triage. By the time this show comes out, half the things we discuss will have changed fundamentally. We better get going then. <laughs> <laughs> Way to sell it, baby. It's like three hours from now. What's going to change? We'll see. T- tune into next year's off-season episodes where we're trying to find the replacement for Mark Sessler. Who will be oh, in the I wilderness. don't like that either. <laughs> this is getting awful. All right. Well, I hope everybody had a nice weekend, Labor Day weekend. 
And uh, whoa, a lot happened. So that, that's what today shows about. It is our first. This is real football. Week one begins Thursday night. Bears hosting the Packers at Soldier Field. And uh, we'll end today's episode by previewing that game. Uh, yes, we are in the mix now. And this will be our schedule uh, going forward uh, because there is no Twitter show, quote unquote, this season. We are back to Tuesday shows, which we are all happy about. Uh, it's our preferred schedule. So you're going to get the Sunday night flagship show where we break down all the games. Tuesday, uh, the show that will recap Monday night football and then have some fun looking ahead to the next week. Thursday, the preview episode for the week to come. And again and again and again. Get up and do it again. And those Thursday and Sunday shows will be stamped. We'll be, uh, who knows? I think yes. we might, we have an idea for a special um, way to handle Thursday night football this Thursday and maybe moving forward. So we'll, we'll let our listeners find out then. I'd like to right. find out. Mm, we have to talk about that. All right. Wes, are you excited? I am. Okay. I'm excited. You're wearing an NFL League <laughs> sweatshirt. It makes me think you're all the way in. Well, you know, no, that's not, it's just something to wear, but like, <laughs> you, it's the rhythm of the season now. It, there's a pattern, there's a rhythm. There, it's sort of like, you know, what bear go, bears go through where you have hibernation in the off season. Now we got to track down right. large animals and kill them for food. Yeah, we, we hibernate. We went to the you know beach this weekend. You, you went to your, you know, lovely wife. to the lake. Union. You know, we all tried to get one last, one last little thing and now we go. All right, let's get to it. Let's start with a whole mess of news. So, Ricky, are you ready, Ricky Hollywood? Oh, yeah. Excited. Really excited. Yeah. Finally. You're in. Oh, yeah. All the way. Give me Patriots record this season. Um, hmm. Now, now, now. 17-1. Now, <laughs> nah, hold on. Well, that, that, the, what does that mean? Do they not play a game? Do they do, does the plane go down after the AFC Championship? They Whoa. haven't played the requisite amount of games. That's it's, not true. Well, no, they, eighteen and one. Seventeen and one means you went undefeated and then lost in the championship round. That's the only way that. No, happen. you lose like one up top. But then you would have. Yeah, but more then, the, right, then the listen, season. I'm is, sorry. Okay, I asked. Well, okay. <laughs> math isn't her. Strength. Let's do some Fine. news. <laughs> you mentioned that audibles weren't a big part of. Um, the you guys just will not stop with this audible well, thing. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. What do you, What do you guys want me to say? No, I, uh, it's It's comical to me, but. Oh, Matt Lafleur, you're in the NFL now, son. Get ready. Because people are going to be asking questions about you and Aaron Rodgers until we see that you guys can ball out together. We'll get back to the Packers later. But let's start with the trades that shook the NFL over the weekend and happened to surround a, a Texans team that has become a lightning rod of controversy in this studio. So let's dig in. The Texans <laughs> had backed themselves into a corner uh, with the Jadavian Clowney situation. We all know that. Uh, they apparently felt they had to move on, so they did. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reported Saturday that the Seahawks traded for uh, Jadavian Clowney in exchange for a third-round pick, linebacker Jacob Martin, and pass rusher and Mox boy Markevious Mingo. Uh, the trade later confirmed. Uh, the Texans agreed to pay $7 million toward Clowney's salary to c- complete the trade. Um, and the Seahawks agreed not to franchise tag Clowney a second time next year, which is what Clowney wanted, some more freedom. Um, Wes, we'll start with you here. The Seahawks side of it, we'll get to. But I want to start with the Texans side of it. Uh, We knew they didn't have a lot of leverage. Did you think they had this little leverage? Well, yeah, I think it's a sign of of bad decision-making when you leave yourself with unappetizing options 
and then select the most unappetizing option, which is what the Texans did with Clowney. And my read on this is that Brian Gain is gone because he and Bill O'Brien butted heads over paying Jadevian Clowney. We've heard that. Bill O'Brien wants to pay the offense, take the resources from the defense, protect his quarterback in any way he can, and make sure this is an offense-guided team going forward, offense-oriented. Um, and it's, to me, to you know, boxing analysts and NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal are fond of saying that styles make fights. Mm. And you look at the AFC South now, and the Texans are and Colts are like diametrically opposed in philosophy and style and everything else. The Texans are built around their franchise quarterback. If he goes down, they are banged. They, they have mortgaged the future severely. They have holes all over their roster. They are threadbare on their roster. The Colts are the exact opposite. They have stability up top, leadership. If their quarterback doesn't make it, they might be able to throw a backup quarterback in there and still survive. They are deep on both sides of the ball. They have a plan. They're sticking to it. And they are stable all around. The Texans, I, I, this is like, to me, the plot from Armageddon. Oh, yeah. Bill o- I, I didn't see that film. Bill O'Brien sees Bad this reviews. asteroid. So he times. has left himself with the only option is I've got to stop this asteroid. <laughs> so he's going to make the season more fun for Texans fans. But now Texans fans are all wrapped up in Bill O'Brien's future, not the organization's future. Mm. Who's got the animal crackers on Bill O'Brien's belly? Deshaun Watson. Sexy. I don't even know what that means. Okay. Ah! Well, you were born age 32. I this mean, 1998. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I missed much. This, like, Bill O'Brien... Did what most coaches on the hot seat would do, I think, if they got a chance, which is make their team better this year. And I and it was a disastrous um, value that he got for Clowney. I mean, I think that a year of Clowney is worth more uh, than what they got and just seeing what happens. There's I mean, something more to it then, right? Because you would think the fact that they, that's sane a, minds would understand They that. paid him to go away? They pay, well, that that's the thing that was crazy, that they paid him to go away, and it showed there was no market for Clowney, which is also interesting. I, I did see you know reports that the Eagles were in it at the last minute, and there was some talk. I think you can safely assume the Eagles offered less, that other teams weren't offering more, which is interesting. There is a larger question in terms of building offense, defense, of whether Clowney was the guy that is worth that contract. I think that's a fair question, but all the all the intrigue and all the palace upheaval and the fact that he didn't trade him sooner is the reason why they got nothing for him, because you could have gotten a ton for him back in February and March. We've been over that. And it, it just doesn't make any sense what they got back for. They basically just gave him away. Uh, let's hear from Bill O'Brien, who obviously everybody wants to know why uh, the, things played out the way they did, that they could have planned better, that they could have made, they could have had more leverage, and they lost all that leverage based on the timing. Let's hear how O'Brien uh, explained himself. There were a lot of talks that took place. Um, there, were, there were contract proposals uh, between you know the, the player and us that we just couldn't, uh, come to an agreement on, you know, relative to the franchise tag. You know, the spirit of the franchise tag is to try to, um, you, you know, give yourself more time to, to possibly come to an agreement on a long-term contract. We couldn't come to that agreement. Uh, we had several discussions with many teams over many months, and uh, we feel like we made the best decision for the team. Well, so we. What is we in Houston right now? We made the best decision. Bill O'Brien has more power than most coaches in the league right now and is showing 
point by point why you need a check and balance system inside of any NFL organization. Because it's not just this, we'll get to the other move they made as well, where you're essentially openly being fleeced to some degree. I can enjoy Bill O'Brien's ability to, in the course of 24 hours, become one of the most radioactive figures in the NFL. That doesn't happen if you don't have charisma and power and you don't know how to wield it. But at the same time, I think that you look at the long-term... Texans fans can, if you really want to have rose-colored glasses, you can point to what you added in terms of players and what has essentially become a go-for-broke year for Bill O'Brien. He's got to find a way over the next 16 regular season games to prove us all wrong about what we're saying about the way the team is run right now. But unless you are going to go rogue for the next four or five years with Bill O'Brien playing coach slash GM while having only coach vision on how to run a team, which is get into personal issues with Jadavian Clowney and other players and have it affect his long-term stance on the team, what happens to his contract, you move on from the guy. And how do you, if you choose to have a powerful front office voice, lure someone in at this point after you've mortgaged insane amounts of draft capital for the future. We we know that... How they, do you do that? We, we know that the Texans made themselves weaker in the future because they gave away the top of their draft the next couple of years. The question to me, and the second part of this, of course, trade is that the Texans sent two first-round picks plus, the, plus a second-rounder to the Dolphins. They get back left tackle Laramie Tunsil. We've been talking about for months on the show what an eyesore the blindside was for them. Well, Tunsil is one of the better guys in the league at that position and wide receiver uh, Kenny Stills, who gives some depth depth and a guy that never misses action. The question, Wes, is we know they're worse in the long term. Are they better today than they were Friday? Because if they're not, and we'll see it play out starting this weekend, if they're not, it's Bill O'Brien is not only going to look really bad, he's going to get fired because he is in the crosshairs, I think, right now after these deals. It's a fun it's a fun deal to analyze because as an impartial observer who doesn't have to root for the Texans in the future, like me. I can say this this makes my viewing of the Texans much more fun this year. It'll be more exciting. They'll be more entertaining. Nobody can say what's going to happen in that division this year with no Andrew Luck. Um, maybe the Titans are the best team in the division. Maybe the Jaguars are. You don't know who's the best team in that division. I think the Texans are kidding themselves a little bit about their their holes. That they had such an easy schedule last year that they think they're a little bit better than they are. They're kidding themselves a little bit. But they could easily take this division. Nobody knows what's going to happen. I think they're better. I mean, I'd rather have Laramie Tunsil, Kenny Stills. Jacob Martin might contribute. Uh than Jadevian Clowney. I'd rather have those three guys than Jadevian Clowney. Now, you lost all those picks, and the value when Tunsil isn't even signed long-term was a little wild, but, man, it's hard to get a left tackle. Like, to me, that trade was far less objectionable than the Clowney trade. You can pick nits over that they gave up too much. and I mean, they gave up a lot, Like you know, but... They're, if they end up signing Laramie Tunsil long-term and he's a top-10 left well, tackle long many term, people well, have pointed out, they left themselves with so little leverage that you never even see this by not signing into an extension when it, they made the trade. Yeah, and I don't think it's a nit to, to be concerned about what they gave up. I, I think that you found one of the most valuable... Right, but they have, they have the football. franchise tag. I mean, okay, like but then they're going to have to make him the highest paid tackle. In right, you're going to have anyway. to you're going to have to pay him crazy amount of money. You're going to if if things go right with the Sean Watson, you're going to have to pay him crazy amount of money, and then you have hamstrung yourself to build around the team they, with high picks. They have so much salary cap space. Uh, that's one of the reasons. But so does every team. It's not every team. They I have mean, one, they have one of the most. They they. My point is, 
they should have spent it on Clowney. Like it never made much sense. But salary cap, like they can sign Tunsil, they can sign Watson. I'm not. I wouldn't be that worried about that. It's more the process, and I think it goes back to trading Dwayne Brown. It's funny how the ownership group, which has changed, so it used to be, um, it's now Cal McNair. It used to be Bob McNair. Cal McNair is his son. So it's still the same family. But ultimately, it was a personal thing between Dwayne Brown and ownership that got Dwayne Brown traded away to Seattle and started this whole mess. And and they all they got back for Dwayne Brown was a second round pick. It turned into two years of disastrous protection for Watson and then having to give up way too much to Tunsil. Meanwhile, you're you're giving the Seahawks like another like reward for giving away Clowney. So it all stems from personal stuff, and that's a bad sign. And O'Brien's, you know, in personal stuff too. You what? hear it when you hear like that Jadevian Clowney wasn't necessarily like the hardest worker in the world. Like you know where that's coming from. The Texans got hopscotched by the Eagles who picked Andre Dillard in the draft and Bill O'Brien has overseen six drafts in Houston and they never found a way to stock up the line or to find a tackle or even that's to coaching take... too to me like you what? better be able I just, to I don't I can't, I can't I'm sorry I know you don't mean it that it's a nitpick to call giving up two firsts and a second for for this player but I like to me the Texans are all in on one year and they've got a lot of issues after that now let's say the t- that Tunsil I just great. mean, what what would the appropriate value be for Stills and Tunsil? To well, me, if it was a first and a second, I would say a first and a second would have been more than fair. So now it's an extra first. Like maybe that first should have been like a third. Yeah, I agree. It was to too me, much. To me, it's just who are you lure in to help, to help yeah. bolster the organization let's say, too. Let's say Tunsil's great, okay? Let's say Stills is Stills. But Tunsil is a great left tackle. Uh, and, the, and the Texans, as a result, are a team that their first round pick is in the 20s the next couple of years. Teams give that up all the time in a second if they can get a franchise left tackle. I, I really, I thought that th- this trade salvaged the weekend a little bit for for Bill O'Brien, and I still think they're the best team in the AFC South. I don't think they got a lot better, and that's why I think Bill O'Brien could be in a lot of danger. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, they're a better team. Maybe not a lot better. But they're better, and I think that's enough to win this division again. They better be better because this right. is because 2019 means a lot more to the Texans than it does to other teams now. And what what trade reminds you of a coach taking advantage of a power vacuum in ownership, <laughs> giving up too? <laughs> I much. know where you're going. Yeah, it's Carson Palmer and Hugh Jackson. It is, and that was rightfully. And that and where what happened to you all those people the, franchise the year back. after? Right, you, they probably will. It's it's obviously terrible process. The, one of the big questions of the trade to me, though, is, is Laramie Tunsil fine or is he going to be an all-pro left tackle? Now, Brian Baldinger loves him, thinks he's ready to kind of step into that role. I don't know if the Dolphins really saw him that way as a top five left tackle thus far to his career. Like, if you're trading for a guy who's going to make five Pro Bowls, it's a good trade. It's, Do we it's trust fine. what the, the Dolphins think about anything? No, and you're going to have to coach, you know, whatever it is, like his level of play is a big factor it, yes, that's he, the it, like is he is he even Dwayne Brown? You know what I mean? Is he going to be like Dwayne Brown? You you know, is he going to be that level of type of player? And are the other four linemen starting next to him not going to be terrible? It, right, it wasn't a final piece in the puzzle on Houston's line. By the way, great job by the Seahawks. one last. We got to give the Seahawks a little love to we make. Should. They really needed they really needed some help at that position. They they got a great value. They smelled blood in the water. It's what John Schneider. Does. Why are they not a playoff team? They, I think that but, I mean it, it's the kind of thing that can that taint, change their pass rush, change their front seven, and might. It, what some we of us thought they to, were a playoff team before that. Sure, but we are. But we could. You point, can't get back on the corner. But you could by point the way, to the pass rush as a concern a couple matter. months ago. Uh, I'm not. I'm and they totally addressed. You're not allowed it. back well, on the corner. I'm sorry. 
I know you, you, you're very upset about that because right when you got off the corner, they get one of the better pass rushers in the league. Well, the information but changed. But you can't come back. Uh, no, I don't, I don't see them as a difference-making team. I do think Clowney – I've loved watching Clowney. I just think he's maybe the strongest player in the NFL. And, and I think Pete Carroll, if, if he's going to be – yeah, just like – Pure strength, okay. maybe the, the strongest guy in the NFL. I think Carroll will be able to maximize his talent. Yeah, well, he will. The one last thing I wanted to say about the Texans is, you know, we point out all the time organizations with an identity. The Ravens have an identity. The Steelers have an identity. The Patriots do. The Texans' idea to me, their identity is to be reactive instead of proactive. And you, st- it's always to me that Brian Hoyer getting benched at halftime in the season opener. That's fair, Doug. This is how Bill O'Brien has run the Texans. I will say, Bill O'Brien though is interesting in the NFL. Whenever <laughs> the, when I love anything interesting in the NFL, and so I'm not all out on Bill O'Brien as someone in my life because I enjoy him. He's a little bit of like he's a. You need some. Bad, not, not that he's like an evil character, but a he's, little a, bit. he's a little bit of like a little heelish. He's a little bit of a, a heel. Someone, he's a, he's a Belichick guy, like he, a disciple. But he's, I think he's trying to. He's follow not that the path. like, but he's the Belichick. Like Belichick loves pointing out how much he loves Matt Patricia and uh, who else am I? He's for, a forget it. You know Brian Flores and who who am I? Oh, and Vrabel. But you, O'Brien's the one that like kind of you could tell rubs up the wrong way. Someone someone made the comment to me in the league that Bill O'Brien's the type of coach that like hates all his players, which is kind of a damning damning <laughs> that's, comment. That's unfair. That wants to, eventually wants to get rid of. That's a something somebody <laughs> says. He doesn't feel that I'm sure. But you know what? That's it. We had a good conversation about Bill O'Brien. We're going to see how it all shakes out. By the way, Neophyte GM Bill O'Brien, you know what he could have used this weekend? He could have used the app. He could have used the app. Yes, he could. GM app. He really needed that app. You put it out there. Hey, everybody, I am an AFC South general manager. Um, I have uh, player X, and I'm being offered two journeyman linebackers and a third-round pick. Who can beat it? And guess what? Somebody's beaten that if the GM I, app exists. So you, I just think I would imagine he's someone with, with ill manners in a chat room um, who's not fun to text with that up. And, a, and an ugly emailer. Well, where's your where's the product and development team, Dan? This was your app. This is this. your idea. Now, Wes where and I are working on it together, and that's the hardest thing to do. Here's a to bug. To get the technology right. Here's a bug in the technology. The Dolphins, they text back and say, we'll, we'll beat it. And then Clowney says, well, I'm not going to Miami. Mm. So Seattle lucks into Jadevian Clowney because he refuses to go to Miami. But here's my thing. I think he, there's three teams that come out of the gym app and say, we got this X, Y, Z. Hey, Jadevian, we'll give you three different choices. But we'll never know because it doesn't exist. We won't know. Shout not me. yet. All right. Let's move away from that drama. Let us move on. Let's uh, take a look at the Kansas City Chiefs. The defending AFC West champions who made a move over the weekend that, oh, I'm sure Chris Wesley has thoughts about this one, too. LaShawn McCoy, a surprise cut by the Buffalo Bills over the weekend. Well, surprise to me. Maybe not you guys. Uh, and very quickly, and Andy Reid scoops up his former running back from their days together in Philly and adds him to the backfield. The backfield, by the way, got a little lighter uh, when they moved Carlos Hyde to the Texans, who gets some depth after that Lamar Miller injury. So in comes Shady McCoy. He got paid pretty good money too, Wes, which makes you think that he's going to have a role in that offense with uh, Damian Williams, who fantasy owners are very upset about this, I'm sure, that went all in on Damian. Anyway, your thoughts, Wes. I'm going to imagine you don't think this is a move that's going to make a big impact in Kansas City, and I imagine I'm going to disagree with you. Let's see what you got. It's going to tell us a lot about situation in the NFL that he goes, Shady goes from maybe the worst running back situation in 2018 to the best running back situation in the league in 2019. Uh, last year, 
the Bills, seven of the offensive linemen they brought into the season and on the practice squad are currently unemployed. This year they kept 10. They lost Adrian Waddle to injured reserve, and they traded two guys. So they might have had 13 NFL-caliber offensive linemen, which is so different from last year. So to me, I can I can go with Greg's point that throw out the 3.2 yards per carry. That's not reflective okay. of who LaShawn McCoy is. I still thought that he was outplayed by his backups at time last year. He was a step slower. He's a guy who needs to be one-on-one in space to make people miss. And sometimes he's not giving himself that opportunity to go one-on-one in space because he's going down easier and he's not going for the big play as much. He doesn't have that speed anymore. So I think he can be successful for the Chiefs because the spacing in their offense is unlike anyone else. And Andy Reid has proven for 20 years he knows how to use running backs as well as anyone. They're deep. I mean, it was a week ago, two weeks ago, we're wondering if Darwin Thompson was going to steal carries away from Damian Williams. And now you throw in Shady. And, you know, if the preseason does have a value, you can look at running backs and see if they look fresh or not. And I thought that Shady looked pretty fresh in the last couple of weeks. And they yeah. probably would have kept him if they didn't have the rookie blow up, Devin Singleton. Yeah, he was paid $6 million and Frank Gore looked like Frank Gore does, and Devin Singletary looked great. So why why pay Shady McCoy $6 million? It didn't make sense for the Bills. He does make sense for the Chiefs if he stays healthy. I thought he looked good early in the season. He was really... He hurt his hamstring in December, didn't look good. Then if he has a bad offensive line, he's going to freelance too much. But in Kansas City, I, I think he can make plays. And I'm a small person. I mean, like, literally, if you meet me, you'll know how small I am. But I'm also small, like, emotionally, mm. that I oh. enjoyed – I did enjoy on some level every every fantasy person complaining, like, oh, my gosh, like, this, ru- like, this ruined my life. And, and uh, like, the Roto-World blurb essentially dismissed McCoy's chances of even, like, being a factor just because they had hyped up Damian uh, Williams. Wait, didn't they That's give why- him $4 million? That's why you don't invest too much in, like, half-lousy players, like, players that aren't, half like... Half-lousy! I just mean players that aren't as talented as the players getting drafted behind them in fantasy. It's like, that's what happens to Damian Williams sometimes, is they bring in other people. I, I trust Andy Reid just about more than anyone else when it comes to looking at talent and being able to know who to bring in, who to cut ties with. Uh, he said there are not a lot of 31-year-old 31 running backs running around out there, but he still has the great feet and the vision. And then McCoy, he kept it real. He kept it real without really playing the blame game. Maybe you guys read it otherwise, but uh, he said... I mean, that's three pro bowlers on the line. And then we had guys that kind of fill them in at the last minute, you know, uh, which, give them credit, they, they did good to the, the best of their abilities, you know, but... Then we had a young quarterback. Then we had a lot of quarterbacks coming in and out the games from injuries, different things like that. We had probably three to four quarterback starters, you know. So that was a tough year. Mentally, uh, physically, it was definitely tough. So he's saying, I'm not washed up. I was just in a terrible situation. And I just think this is all trending in a crank back the clock scenario for McCoy. I always thought that. thought if he ever ended up in Indianapolis, which was speculated for a while uh, over the last year or so, that he would have another, uh, would, he would have one more nice run in him. And I think that's what's going to happen in KC, which is scary when you think about that Chiefs offense. What if he does crank back the clock, Wes, and has a nice season? Uh, the Chiefs are going to be impossible to stop. I mean, they're going to be impossible to stop with or without 2014 LaShawn McCoy. I mean, I I don't expect that guy to show up for them, but this offense is going to be good no matter who's running the ball. They're also going to have to be good because of the defense. All right, let's keep moving, gentlemen. Um, Here's a story around the Cowboys that might be dated as, you know, when you listen to us, but we want to 
plug in here on the Ezekiel Elliott Cowboy situation. ESPN reported that uh, the two sides are, quote, very close to an agreement on a deal that would end the star running backs holdout. Uh, there was a report out earlier today, Tuesday, that Zeke was on a plane and headed back to Dallas, which certainly seems to be trending. And it's all trending in the um, direction of Elliott being on the field uh, for the season opener against the Giants on Sunday. And uh, also, Lael Collins, one of the important members of that offensive line, signs a five-year extension. So if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm feeling good right now because I'm, I was very, I'd be very nervous before today, but now it looks like things are all going to line up. We'll find out for sure, but the Cowboys are getting close with Zeke. I mean, whether or not we are fully updated on the news when people listen to this, the distinct tone shift is that it went from acrimonious and ugly to Zeke flying from Cabo back to Dallas and things have taken a big step in the right direction. And I just look at the Dallas team, though. It, you know, they're talking about six years, 90 million, which, you know, if he's a still great player... That's a player, report out there. That's a report. If he's still a great player four years from now, that looks like a great contract probably for the Cowboys to some degree. But this is not DeMarco Murray anymore where maybe you use him for another season or two and then decide to move on. You're now attached to him at least for more than, you know, a year or two and you have to find a way to manage his carries to some degree. And I think the Tony Pollard, the rise of Tony Pollard is a very positive step for Dallas as well. He's the best player on the team. I think that's why he's going to get paid. And I think we should probably start thinking about holdouts a little bit differently. If nobody's going to play their starties in the starters in the preseason anyway, why does it matter if these guys right. miss all of camp? This but, is the week to get all this done. Basically. Right. So many players just miss all of camp. They send everybody they, to Cabo. They show up yeah. for, for week one. It almost seemed like the Cowboys were trolling like their fans at some point, like keep signing these other players <laughs> other than Zeke. But these two deals are worth mentioning, just that Jalen Smith and Lyle Collins, those are very team-friendly deals. I mean, they got a starting right tackle for $10 million a year for the next five years. I mean, well, look he, at the he's cap a, numbers, too. It's going to be like $4.2 million next year and then $9 million in 2020 and, for cap And numbers. so that's, that's a good job by their front office. In other running back holdout news... Melvin Gordon has been given permission to seek a trade from the Chargers. Uh, L.A. has given him that opportunity. We'll see if that leads to anything. Rap Sheet had the report on that. The running back has been away from the team all summer as he seeks an extension worth more than $10 million per year. Uh, Fifth-year running back set to make $5.5 million in 2019. We, you know, we've been talking about this since the very beginning that this didn't feel like a great setup for Melvin Gordon in terms of negotiations. And the Chargers... They just seem to, they continue to roll on like, hey, do whatever you want, buddy. We're fine. We're going to keep rolling. And I don't think this ends with Melvin Gordon signing a beefy contract extension with the Chargers anyway. Well, they, they essentially announced, I mean, they told Melvin Gordon they're not going to negotiate his contract anymore, which is a pretty big hammer drop uh, to let out there that not only are, you know, we're not giving you the money we want. Let's, we're not even going to talk because it's obviously not going to happen. And go ahead. Try to get your terms with another team. Mm. We don't think you can do it. It's not a great year to be a running back trying to force a trade somewhere else because if you look at the running back rooms around the league, it's kind of like quarterback. Most teams feel pretty good about where they're at. And for everyone saying that the clowny situation is a new day for players to simply, you know, out of complete self-interest and self-determination, basically outline your own career and hold out till you get what you want. This is the other side of the coin because if they don't need you, you suddenly, what, what, who's going to bring, maybe there's an injury in week one and someone needs Melvin Gordon and some sort of trade is outlined. It's not because this kind of money that he wants is going to be coming next. It's not not like he's making the minimum. 
This is he's getting f- over five million this year, right? Which is, I think, it's more than half of the money that he made in the first four years combined. Which you would think would be rather significant that he's going to want that money sooner than later. Erica, can you get Melvin Gordon on the phone? I think maybe we should try to talk to him. <laughs> it would behoove the we had him man right now. Play. Did we have him on the show once? Uh, we may have. Doesn't he have to be back by week 10 anyway to get his... He will, he will have to come, show up at He's at, in a different situation point. than Le'Veon was last year. He has to show up to a crew. I think Clowney and Needs. Kirk Cousins pointed out that players under a franchise tag do have a little bit of power. Yes. You know, if you want to look at the you know player empowerment at least trickling into the NFL compared to the NBA, guys on tags can do that. And I also think that, that the whole tag situation, I just smell is going to change in some way with the next collective bargaining. Agreement. He's in that Uber trying to find that one Uber driver <laughs> that, that didn't know who he was. Now, Maybe it's all about, maybe that's where it all started. Like he was upset that he wasn't recognized. Yeah. And now that's just all dictating his franchise is uh, contract demands. Let's move on. The Colts in a post Andrew Luck world are doing some business at the quarterback position. Uh, they hand Jacoby Brissett, uh, the team's new starting quarterback, a new, they rip up his old deal, give him a two-year, $30 million contract. Uh, Brissett was entering the fourth and final year of his rookie contract and was set to earn $2 million in 2019. Uh, now he's under contract for the next two years. And then they they make a decision to uh, add a new backup to the room, and they get Brian Hoyer, who couldn't couldn't hold on with the Pats, uh, but that doesn't stop him from getting a three-year, $12 million deal with the Colts. Uh, to be their number two, 33 years old. He's bounced all over the place, Hoyer. And that is pretty good money for both gentlemen, I want to say. Uh, Greg, uh, I'm going to – and we're going to get to my one of my props, which doesn't look like it's in good position right now. But uh, does it feel at all to you uh, that the Colts in this time – of great trauma around the organization that are trying, they're, they're almost trying to pay their way back to some type of quarterback tranquility mm. after the bombshell of Andrew Luck's ret- retirement. I was surprised by the amount that Brissett got. It's very, on, on some level laudable for the Colts to not just try to have him p- play under that salary. Then again, they get something out of it too, which is that if he is good, it's under contract next year at, a very low salary, so it seemed it seemed like what if a win. He's bad? If he's bad, I, they, I, I was just looking for it. They haven't really shown the details of how the money's spread out. Twenty millions guaranteed. If I had to guess, you know, they can get out of it. Basically, I mean, they'll, they'll eat a little bit of cap, uh, a little bit of cap space if he's bad, and and they get. Jags out of were it. still able to get Nick Foles after they made the mistake of. Right, paying a bad. I mean, they, portals. they have fifty million dollars. They have more cap space than just about anyone, so they can just eat it. It was telling to me that Hoyer got nine million dollars guaranteed. That's a lot, which that, is a lot. That and was it, surprising when I think it was to keep him away from the Patriots. So the Patriots wanted to bring him back. Broncos, he didn't necessarily. That's always up in everybody's head, right? At all times. He well, they really did want to bring him back, and and I think for him to move his family and decide to do that, hey, I'm not going to turn down that this kind of money. And Dan, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be too worried about your prop bet. Yet, and you mentioned oh, what the stop. Chad Kelly was going. Should have been well, hold on a second. Before you hold on a second, there's, mark out. there's a factor here because you, your thing was the Chad Kelly would see. Was it four meaningful four, starts? Gonna, not just start, starts, not <laughs> meaningful. meaningful starts. Okay, starts. Yeah. Whatever. Four starts. But we have a listener because our listeners are plugged in. Good. A listener tweeted to us under the handle Dusty Bottoms. 
And he said, right. he, here are his words. I'm going to pull back the veil for you guys with Chad Kelly in the Colts job. Now, this is pre-Brian Hoyer, but still, yeah. my childhood teammate is now the offensive coordinator for the Colts, Nick Sirianni. And as a child, as a young football player, he had posters of Jim Kelly all over the place. He is a huge Jim Kelly fan. And I'm going to read from that, that there is something that's going to happen here. He is not out on, Chad, he is not out on our boy, Swag. Chad Kelly. Swag Kelly. Who Swag here, Kelly, who and I'm not honest, giving up on Dan Spread. <laughs> who in this room honestly believes Brian Hoyer is a better quarterback than Swag Kelly? I don't. I, don't. I do not. You know, is Swag still on the roster? I guess that it all I mean, not officially because he's suspended, but yeah, he'll be their third quarterback. Okay. Oh, will he return and be their third quarterback? Yes, I believe. I think there is some reasonable concern about what Chad Kelly gets up to in his time off, and so you've got the very milquetoast Brian Hoyer me, to sort of just plug in the, the backup real. spot. I'm totally screwed because of the money involved <laughs> here. Because how was I supposed to know the Colts were going to panic and pay Jacoby Brissett like he's a an established starting quarterback and then turn around and give out the best – backup quarterback money in the league just about. In well, I did Hoyer. point out on the show they might bring in a backup. No, you did, and that's fine, and I'm proud of you for that. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> Thanks, I, Dad. the only way now that I have any shot, and I won't do it, is if one of these guys gets injured and then the other guy stinks. That's the only shot I get a four star. Yeah, but this could be your episode of a football life. It starts right. in such bleak territory, but you always had some idea of what would happen. Right, that like could, all you know. of us, the, almost all of our props will lose three sandwiches on, but we won't remember like my <laughs> Dalvin Cook one, but we'll remember. Well, Chad that's Kelly. I was, that was the other thing I was going to say. It's kind of like when you're in Vegas and you're playing blackjack with your buddies and you get... You get beat after you play about an hour. You have a great time. You end up down about a hundred bucks, and then you say to yourself, "Oh well, you know that you basically paid to have fun with your friends sitting at the table. That it's already paid for the sandwiches because we had a nice conversation about swag. That's fine. Everything else is just icing on top. Sometimes legend legends are burnished by what could have been. I mean, come on, Bo Jackson. People <laughs> love him because of what could have been, or what because because of what he actually did. Absolutely. Moving on. Trent Williams, another holdout. He is not a lost cause in Washington. Uh, the former Redskins, uh, former Redskins defensive end D'Angelo Hall, an ex-teammate of Williams, cornerback. Uh, what did I say? Defensive end. Uh, defensive back. I was meant to say. <laughs> uh, ex-teammate of Williams said on the Hail to the podcast on the Athletic that Williams could return quote sooner rather than later. Hall. Uh, who had said in the past there was zero chance Williams shows up, said that the left tackle, uh, unlikely to sit out the entire season because he won't want to lose out once again on that accrued season toward free agency. Uh, So the question now becomes uh, whether or not that report date, if it happens, Mark, is far off in the distance or imminent. uh, We don't know. But something to track. Hall mentioned week two, and so I I would assume that, you know, you He's attached to a gigantic flaming car going off a cliff. So I don't know what his rush to come back is uh, other than obviously, you know, personal financial game. Money, obviously. Yeah. But it, to me, I, this, this is the team that should have been open to trading one of their valuable assets for a lot of picks to plan for the future. And they've been yes. so door closed on this, at least in public, to the, even the concept of someone coming and courting them for a big pick swap. I would have done it in a second if I were the Bill Redskins, O'Brien. but their front office is probably the worst in the league. Bill O'Brien rightfully getting killed for how he handled Clowney, but the Redskins, a team clearly building for the future, what, do you, what need do you have for a 30-something left tackle who has huge value on the open market? 
Well, it depends what they would get. So there was a report, which everyone denied, that the Patriots offered a first-round pick for him two weeks ago. Pull the trigger I'd rather have, second. I'd rather have Trent Williams. He's 31. That's about the same age that Dwayne Brown was when the Texans traded. I mean, you might still get three years of quality left tackle play. Okay. I don't know. That's fair, dog. I mean, but I don't want New England's first-round pick as much as I'd want someone right. else's. You're giving that analysis, Greg, based on the knowledge that he's going to report sooner rather than later. Right. I didn't know that then. Right. It, it should be noted that, um, and a lot of people don't know this, that the Patriots' first-round pick this year is going to be number six. So, Well, that's that, that adds some, uh, some six spice overall, to it. New England, weirdly, April Weirdly, I would win sandwiches from that. You were saying the Patriots are going to have the number six overall pick. Yes. Just think about it, if you're the Dolphins, and all it takes is one Deshaun Watson injury to maybe have a top ten pick, two top ten, ten picks from the Texans. Mm. That's fair, dog. That's true. We didn't even mention from the old Dolphins angle. Enjoy... Uh, being protected by Julian Davenport all season, Josh Rosen. I mean, Josh that poor Rosen. guy. <laughs> I know a lot. He's not the most popular guy. I don't know if Josh Rosen guy. even sees the field this year. Why wouldn't he? Well, well yeah, of the, course he will because one, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to get killed. There is there. this one little amazing nugget that came out of not to. This will take one second, but ESPN <laughs> did a thing where they ran twenty thousand simulations on the upcoming season, and they randomly picked simulation one thousand seven hundred and twenty-one to unfurl this long, amazing article, the kind of thing that any football nerd would like that talked about week-to-week results and where teams wound it up. The Jets finished 8-8. Eight and eight. The Browns made the playoffs, won the division after some ups and downs. And the Dolphins opened 3-1. and one. Week 2, they sandblast the Patriots. This is with no Laramie Tunsil, with no Kenny Stills. They are 6-2 and two at the midpoint and playing for the division title against what? the Patriots in the final week of the season. And They published in this? The, in this, well, hold on. <laughs> before you scoff at it, Every in in every other team that you look at how they did it came out kind of reasonable. They just they viewed the Dolphins this simulation. It's not a person as doing much better than people thought. And Josh Rosen didn't even play a meaningful snap because Fitzpatrick carried them from wire to wire. Sounds buggy. It all checks out. It I may be buggy, I, but I think I think I think we can accept that the NFL is unpredictable enough we can for the Dolphins to have a winning record. I mean. Mm. Crazy things, mm. crazier yeah. things happen all the time. I yet, agree with you, and yet we always act so confident. When's the last time that the worst roster in the league had a winning record? Uh, I mean, I, it, them having a winning it's, record, then they ultimately would prove they didn't have. The it's an anomaly. All right, good talk, gentlemen. Time for a little eight o'clock delight. Jack signed Miles Jack to a four-year, fifty-seven million dollar extension. Both him and Jalen Smith West get paid. That is cool. That's the point I was going to make. That they Sorry. were drafted right around each other in the same draft. Both had questions about how they would do in the future. That's why they didn't go in the first round. And now both made it to their second contracts. One-time hard knock sweetheart Giovanni Bernard gets a two-year extension with the Cincinnati Bengals to uh, pair with Joe Mixon. Mark Sessler, you like that one-two punch? I, I'm fine with it. I'm, you know, I thought Gio Bernard was someone they talked about as maybe not making the team this year or not being in their long-term plans. They lost Rodney Anderson. That was uh, a forever. But it, good for him. What Hopefully am I not forever. He made money. Good. Uh, report. Steelers extend quarterback Joe Hayden on a $22 million deal, including $17 million uh, signing bonus. 30 years old. Uh, Greg, he's had a great career. Always unclear why paid. the Browns wanted to get rid of Joe Hayden so much. It, Dude, too. That's a good point. He's set to eclipse $100 million in career earnings in uh, 2019. Wow. Oh, Greggy. Seahawks cut 
then re-signed Geno Smith, who beats out Paxton Lynch for the job. Why are the Seahawks doing them dirty and not giving that guaranteed veteran money? I, see, I see all your tweets so celebrating when he got cut. Wait till the end of the weekend before spiking the Ooh. football. Geno's back. That's fair. You got to know. I sent you, you a positive Geno tweet, if you recall. It's true. There was a lot of there was a lot of tweets. Before you come after us on Twitter and get our mentions, know the business side of the game. That's the lesson. I don't even look at my mentions. There. Uh, in other news, the Falcons bring back longtime kicker Matt Bryant. Wes, I was hoping they were going to keep it quiet. He'd stay on that golf course and go to the Jets, but he's going back to the Falcons. Unless you have someone better at your fingertips, do not get rid of your veteran kicker. Giorgio Tavecchio. Yeah, this guy was never bad, Matt Bryant. Uh, he had a terrible summer, and now he gone. The Vikings signed Josh Doxson days after cutting Lacan Treadwell. So two first-round busts picked right around each other in the first round once upon a time. Uh, does that matter, Mark? Mm. I like Dotson more than Treadwell, matter? but it was signed for the league minimum, so I guess it's a bit of a save face. Maybe we just picked the wrong guy and the Redskins didn't, and we'll figure it out, but it seems like a... A footnote at best. Redskins are paying most of his salary this year. Uh, Eddie P. Eddie Pinheiro wins the Bears' kicking job for week one. I mean, what a drama. He he shanks the extra point, Wes, about 30 feet to the left uh, in his final preseason outing, but still gets the job. But it's made clear by Matt Nagy he wins the job Thursday night. What a world. What a life to have. What? Where's their headquarters? Bourbon A? Bourbon A. Yeah. Stacey Dale's reporting for Bourbon A says they really do believe they found their guy. They wanted a young guy who oh, can throw. Oh, now they're trying to talk him up. Please. They said he's got the right demeanor, the leg talent, and the team has embraced him. I think that latter part is important coming off what they're coming off. In preseason plays, 8 of 9 on field goal attempts, hit a 58-yarder. That got him the job, even though that horrible PAT miss. Uh, Greg, the Broncos add ex-Rams practice squatter. Brandon Allen is their number two hey, quarterback. All over this story. John Elway knows QB. Hey, John Elway doesn't just uh, mess up the starting quarterback situation anymore. He's got to pick up someone's back, someone off waivers for his backup. Ouch. How could he possibly be so bad at understanding uh, quarterback talent? A man that was one of the greatest to ever play the position. That's well, they say, the, they say those that can't do teach, those that can't teach do. He did do. He already did it. And now he can't put the rest of it together. He do and didn't. Uh, IR updates. Jarek McKinnon of the Niners is a setback with his knee. He goes to IR. The Patriots seem to be cursed with their first rounders. Nikhil uh, Harry, he goes to IR. Equan St. Brown of the Packers. IR Nathan Peterman, Hard Knocks hero, has an elbow issue. Uh, he goes to IR. And Graham Gano, the Panthers kicker, he has an issue that didn't get better. He also goes to IR. I don't know, boomerang or not. These Mark, are not boomerang. These well, are all they could be. IR, IR. Uh, they gone. No, some of the ones that waited till the weekend. Like Nikhil Harry, oh, Nikhil I, Harry. I expect will be back. I think he's the only one. Hmm? <laughs> all right, guys, put on your collared shirts. Put on your Fahrenheit cologne. Spike up that hair. I used to wear Fahrenheit cologne. Me too. Used to love it. Loved it. Fahrenheit was in the nineties jam oh, for yeah. colognes. It was yeah. What about Dracar? I used Dracar to Dracar Noir. I used to wear that, I think. Give me that Fahrenheit all day. Oh yeah. Fahrenheit in fact, over Dracar. I, I try to take Fahrenheit into the next decade and then I my wife I brought it back. I tried to. My wife said, "No, this 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 smells like high school." Right. Find me. Find me like anyone that's actually asking someone to I, wear that at this. I guess I was missing out. I, I never really. I've never wore cologne. Just the Eau de Rosenthal is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, as I was Ooh. saying, use the Dracar. Use the Fahrenheit. Use the natural scent. No, mu- all musk on Rosenthal. <laughs> no deodorant even. Step behind the velvet rope or go into the kicker club. 
The Jets have changed kickers, acquiring... I don't even know how to know, say his name, so uh, it's bad, bad. Kare Vedvik? All right. Kare? 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 On waivers from the Minnesota Vikings, they released Taylor Bertolette, who got the job after Chandler Canizero abruptly retired. Uh, Bertolette was a disaster. Might be Bertolet. Doesn't matter. Uh, Vedvik, of course, was so in demand that uh, the Vikings gave up a fifth-round pick to the Ravens to get him, and then he stunk out the joint once he got to Minnesota. Uh, the Jets, who were in the mix for a trade uh, before the Vikings got him, they scoop him up off waivers. So now he becomes the latest Jets attempt to find stability, which they wouldn't even have to worry about if they just paid Jason Myers, who now kicks for the Seahawks. Come on, guys. I mean, when you can uh, when you can sign a guy who just went one for four in the preseason with no experience in the regular season as your kicker, how to do it? What could go wrong? I think Chris Berman would have to call him Kerry Kerry Lazon Vedvik. Uh, <laughs> and finally, in the news. And now another edition of Keeping Up with Bowen. You know, I was worried that we'd never get to do one of these again. And I got to be honest, uh, I told this to Mark before that uh, it took quite a Google search to find the latest news on Moritz Boehringer, uh, the German-born wide receiver turned tight end who's trying to make it in the NFL after being the first international player to get drafted. Is that correct? Was that the hook back in the day? It's, it's been a while. Something to do with came through the international player program. Okay. I'm not going to speak because you've already angered Henry by not nailing that down. Anyway, the Bengals signed nine players to the practice squad on Sunday, and one of them is Mobo. And a reminder that an NFL practice squad may include up to 10 players of the Bengals, have up to 11 with Mobo, who is an international player, pathway program participant, and is eligible to be added as the 11th practice squad player. So this, this is my one takeaway, and you guys could jump in with some of your own. Uh, we've reached the time. We've been very patient with Mobo for a couple of years now to make the leap, if you will. He's got to get out of this pathway program <laughs> and get at least on legit like practice squad, what? best guy available, get out of the pathway program and start making a charge. Yeah, for just for a for a dose of so. How do you know the difference between pathway program and just regular practice? He's squad? designated as that, right? Though. But why That's wouldn't why. they use that spot? It's like a free, it's a free. Spot. I know, but what we free. want is for him, him personally. I think he needs to make a roster because he can active. make a, the ten, and then they can add another pathway guy. But Mobo won't be connected. I think to that. what Dan's saying here is he's skating by on a technicality. Like well, you got to start earning things. Here, here's what he did. He's he, make a move he was the first yeah, international or the first European player that didn't play. In college, okay, there it is. So he came up like through learning the game Sorry, elsewhere. And hey, there's been a lot of successes. F. A. Obata made the Panthers once, Absolutely. once again, and and uh, it Christian Wade it has that pathway program mm-hmm. uh, for the Bills. So they're coming. But Mobo, you're right, as the first one through the door. Well, we're just asking it's a him, lot of pressure. Him to get you're paying for his housing. You're paying for his you know three, four, five meals a day. I mean, he has a he job. Eats. Come on, let's let's start to do something. You're, he has a job. I mean, earn make, your keep. He makes income. I mean, he's 43 years old. It's <laughs> Time to make that charge. <laughs> Why you do that? <laughs> and that was another edition of Keeping Up with Bowen. All right, let's close by talking about the first game of the NFL season. How about that? Mark, come on. Fuck up. This is exciting. I like this. Happy, this happy, exciting, happy. Real football. A nice matchup. The Thursday night football opener, uh, which also 
begins the 100th anniversary celebration of football. So what do they do? They push the defending champions, the, the Patriots, to Sunday night where they'll face the Steelers, and they open up the schedule for Bears versus Packers at Soldier Field, uh, one of the best rivalries in football. I'm sure fans of those teams will say this is the best rivalry in football, certainly the oldest. Uh, but there are so many storylines, Greg, here, which is what makes the first game of the season so great. Uh, because you get to really dissect it and see some actual results. So Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, as we talked about from the news drop earlier today, the Bears without Fangio and with Mitch Trubisky and the idea of taking the next leap there. How does the kicker do? So much stuff to break down. What are you looking at uh, for Thursday Night Football this year or this week? It's amazing how the first test for Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers against the best defense in the league. But on the other side, we have data. We have a matchup of Matt Nagy's offense going up against Mike Pettin. And he did Mike Pettin did a great job in week one a year ago. Trubisky had four yards per attempt in that game. Bears did a better job, but not great offensively the second time they played. I am intrigued to see how Mike Pettin with these six defensive six defensive backs uh gets a little creative and tries to really shake things up against Trubisky. And I, I think this could be a defensive game because of it. I like to see these week one games like you think differently about a team just because of who arrives that you didn't expect to arrive. And I I don't know. What if Rashawn Gary is one of those guys who's just dynamite right off the bat or Darnell Savage for the Packers, the other guy they drafted in the first round? Or what if, you know, Trubisky looks like a totally new quarterback this year? David Montgomery looks like a stud. I mean, there are, I, it's just those, how are we going to think differently about these teams? And I'm with um, Matt LaFleur. Shut up about the autumn. Just shut up. Stop asking about them. Let's play football and enough with your narratives. I the one the one thing that comes out of the, the preseason of today where you don't see Aaron Rodgers for even one second the entire time, you don't see Aaron Jones, is that I think it amps up the excitement for week one because these guys are pulled out from behind the curtain for the first time since last winter. And you know, these these opening games, we were in London when this Bears Packers game went down last year. A lot is whether or not it's right, it's probably wrong. We learn a lot and talk a lot about what happens in that week one game. And I thought last year what the one of the narratives was was Mitch Trubisky, as Greg pointed out, kept in check by Mike Pettin, but couldn't get it done at the end when he had to try a chance to seal that win with a winning drive. And on the flip side, you've got Chuck Pagano taking over for Fangio. And if, Fangio. if the Bears struggle on defense or if there's a market difference in this game and going forward, Chuck Pagano is going to be in for one of those coordinator seasons where they're pointing at you every week for not doing what happened last year. And odds are they're not going to be last year's defense defense for a variety of reasons. His what? goatee is looking clean. I'm feeling a big year for Pagano. Mm, he, wow. he looks, yeah, he looks like a younger man. Hope so. strong. Yeah. It's like when Greg Williams showed up with the Titans after the <laughs> bounty gate and all of a sudden had Minus the villainy. goatee and like wavy brown hair. And it was like, wait a second. What, what is going Did on? you go on a time machine, sir? Wes, I get what you're saying. Uh, no more narratives. I don't want to hear about it anymore. But guess what? If the Packers struggle against a very good Bears defense on Thursday, and Aaron Rodgers, who you know, you could—he's one of those guys where you could read his face, and you could—they'll have the camera on him at all times. At all times, if he's showing frustration, if we catch him barking at somebody at some point, 
point and they lose 24 to 10 uh, on Thursday, it's only going to get amplified. That's part of the drama and what makes this such an intriguing situation where this is what you wanted, Aaron Rodgers. You wanted McCarthy out of there. You wanted fresh blood. Well, let's see. Can you actually play with fresh blood? I think that is well said, Dan, and it's absolutely true. My exhaustion level with this is specifically about reporters asking stuff about an audible that they have no idea what they're, what they're talking well, about. Well, <laughs> Wes, you are in the media, so it's going to be part of your job to beat Just, that drum as well, whether it, or not you feel that it is ethical. And we know week one could be misleading. I mean, the Bears defense gave up three touchdowns to Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter, and it wasn't really indicative of the type of season they would have, although they did you know, kind of give up that end of the game to the Eagles in the playoffs. Like we don't, we're not going to learn that much in week one, but I am curious just how much the Packers like are going to lean on the running. Cause just cause LaFleur was so run heavy in Tennessee and Mike McCarthy was the total opposite in green Bay in terms of running on early downs, just what kind of Packers offense is he going to roll with early? Can I mention one little bit of history? Absolutely. So when they first met these two teams back on November 27th, 1921, when it was not the Bears, but the Chicago Staley's, according to a newspaper article, wailing, wailing on the Packers 20 to nothing. That's how this rivalry began. And a little nugget on how the Green Bay Press Gazette, to your point about media, West harping on annoying things. This is how they wrote that game. The Packers, again, they lost 20 to nothing, were beaten but not disgraced. Every man on the team played great football, Okay. They were there in the battling every minute, and when the final whistle blew, there was plenty of glory in the defeat. Sounds a lot like an article from today or a talk show, on it, right? But then listen to this. This is some amazing writing from an early-on football writer. The guy is long gone now. He'd be 100-and-something years old. Stinchcomb, Sternemann, and Huffine are quite some footballers. <laughs> they got off fast and run like deer. Stinchcomb was the main thorn in the Packers' side. His dash for a touchdown early in the second quarter was a sensational piece of footballing. That actually kind of sounds a little Cesarian. I love the way you go. You go look up some of the early reports from this. Totally different type of style. But they talked about how the people in Chicago were utterly won over by the fans. It said the Chicago football fans had won into their hearts the Packers for their gritty back. That, the, that this entire Chicago crowd is simply Gross. left as Packers fans because of what, what they witnessed in a 20 to nothing Packers loss. Feels a little convoluted to me. But <laughs> fair enough. There were probably only like seven people there. Right, there's no one to call them. They on also this. noted that the, Talk about narrative. The, the Green Bay's band, which had come down to Chicago, also helped win over the entire Packers mm. operation for, again, Chicago's fan base. Uh, let's pick this game. Mark. Packers... 20, Bears 17 in overtime. I'll go the other way. Bears 20, Packers 17 in overtime. Okay. I Part of me feels like it's inevitable that it's going to come down to a 43-yard field goal attempt yes. by poor Eddie Pinheiro. But then the part that I'm going to actually ride with uh, is that there will be some bumps in the road early on with Rodgers and this offense and the Bears at home in prime time in the earliest game of the season, we'll take advantage of that. 24-13, Bears. Well, I, I have the Packers making the playoffs and the Bears not, so what better way uh, to kind of change that scenario from a year ago than get a road win in the division? Mm-hmm. What do that count? They always say, oh, that counts double. And then not really. <laughs> not really. It's, like a, it's like one and a half. But, you know, I get what you're talking about. Anybody want to lock it up? No. no. Definitely not. Wow. 
Only because there's so many attractive lock situations. I forgot about that. Football's back, Greggy. The locks. All right. Who wants to uh, go for a lock, and then we're all hanging out on Thursday night, and one of us is 0-1 in the locks, and it's not even Friday yet. Forget that nonsense. I, what I, I've seen you, I've seen <laughs> you mad many times, fine. Mark, when the double doink happened, because I think you had picked against, I don't know, whatever it would have been. You had picked the Eagles to win or to lose. When the double doink happened, there was so much fury in you in the newsroom that it was, it, you were turning red. I don't want to see that from you in this situation. You don't want to have a lock on. The- I you won, took, you I took won, it out well, on poor Mitchell Trubisky on the podcast later. Well, he deserved <laughs> it. I have won two straight lock season I titles, so, so I don't really. I, I'm kind of you know, hand, you know, foot off the gas this time. I'll let you one of you guys you, take. You it. co won the first one. I I have a, a trophy. I didn't lose it. All right, there you go. Next time you hear from us, will be Thursday. Show will go up late Thursday night, early Friday morning, and we'll have a recap of the Bears versus Packers season opener. And then, yes, we'll dig into every game to be played on Sunday and Monday, a preview of all the week one action. How exciting is that? Um, Before we go, some plugs. Some plugs. Starting with Greg. (laughs) Well, I didn't know this was a whole separate segment of the show. (laughs) Greg, yeah. Plug time. I asked for a plug, something NFL related. You responded with JRVP is back. Yeah, we're taping Tuesday night comes out Wednesday. You didn't say NFL related. If you had, I would have said I'm writing the game picks this this week, so I got to come up with a real score for that Packers-Bears game. Didn't you just give us one? Oh, you didn't? Well, it could change. Plug into NFL.com Rosenthal for that. Uh, uh, Mark Sessler has a new column on the radar. Uh, you've done two now, right? On my radar. Oh, on my radar. Let me make a note of that. Different piece of technology than <laughs> the radar. Uh, which is getting a lot of positive buzz on the internet. Uh, you wrote about the Dolphins-Texans drama this week, so check that out. Uh, the power rankings, the old Zeuser, that is back Tuesday and also if you catch us in time tonight on eight at eight PM Eastern on NFL Network, me and Money Smith and MJD and Cynthia Freeland uh, have a power ranking special. And finally, last but not least, Ricky Hollywood. Look, everybody making moves. Fantasy League One uh, begins this week, four times a week. So check that out. That's a video show where Ricky's in front of the camera. NFL.com slash fantasy league one. Oh, yeah. This is your moment. What is the show? What, what happens on it? Um, there's six celebrities and six fantasy people in network, and we're playing for charity, and it's basically uh, picks per week and a lot of uh, fun challenges that go on within a fantasy team. A See, squad. the celebrities should play for charity. Are you, You're in the celebrity group. I am not. I'm just oh. in the people that work in the You should be able to play for See, cold, hard cash. I know, but unfortunately, our NFL rules, NFL rules don't allow us mm. to compliance vanquished yes. again. Yes, but charity is a great a great thing. Depends where which one, but yeah. All right, my plug. Check out Chris, Chris Wesley on Instagram. Sometimes oh, good Insta oh, stories on there with the big green eggs and good music. <laughs> Not good, great, smart. And there's been some smart. pop and heat about Wesley, a cooking show in development alongside the app. Well, I don't, know about, I don't know if it's in development yet. <laughs> we can launch our own media empire, Wes. Well, we, we need got to two put, locked uh, and loaded home runs. We need to put Miss. Uh, Didn't they have an idea to do a cooking show here like four uh, Shadowy League figures ago or something? <laughs> no, I don't want this to Let's be attached Wes. to anything. No, no. This is uh, uh, check out Wes's Instagram. It's banging at all times. All right, that's it. Stan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. 
Real football. Next time you hear from us, we're talking about a game that counted. Till Thursday night. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.